This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly episode 48. It is very cold in space. This is Strange Assembly, a podcast about card games, board games, and role-playing games with a focus on the Legend of the Five Rings universe. You can download additional episodes of this podcast via iTunes or on our website, www.strangeassembly.com. While you're there, you can check out our main page or stop in and say hi on the forums. You can also follow those main page updates on Facebook or Twitter. Any comments or criticisms can be directed to chris at strangeassembly.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Strange Assembly. I'm Chris Stevenson. With me today are Rattling Boy. Squeak. Also known as Jay. Those of you playing at home now need to take two sips of your drink. <laughs> Justin Purdy. We're not at my place, so I don't have two sips to drink ready. And my cook. I'm already toasting. <laughs> <laughs> that That's not true, by the way. <laughs> not that you can tell. Hopefully by now you guys have recovered from 428 bottles of Emperor Edition on the wall. And, uh... Hopefully you didn't actually sing along. Yes. And of course we've got a little bit more information on the CCG going on right now. But before we get there, there's other things that have happened. I've finally got my hands on Great Clans and Imperial Histories, so... They're actually starting to, I think, it feels like move on a faster mm-hmm. clip on the RPG because Great Clans came out last year, and then this year we've already seen Imperial Histories, and the Strongholds PDF is finally going to come out in April, and it will be available not just as a PDF, but you can print-on-demand it in black and white or print-on-demand it in color. I think mm. those will be the options once it comes out, and we should be, once I have the the time we'll get reviews on great clans and imperial histories here and then i think the book of errors they're trying to release that in in may is kind of when that's slated for i don't know we'll we'll get to that month and we'll see if that actually happens in that (laughs) month but uh i like that book already just because of the beautiful crane yeah i saw some people complaining about that (laughs) air is crane like this mike people complain about anything yeah i know but i I mean yeah, I think the gist of the complaint seemed to be that the everything on the covers is an object and it's very dark. Right and now, the there's right. A, it's the book of air. There shouldn't have been anything on the cover. Well, uh, people that seem to be, be suggesting it should have. There been should a, be no book for book of the void. A big yeah. air kanji. Well, we'll see if they ever. I don't know when they're getting to that. I think book of water might be next for that, and that's in addition to imperial histories too. And then there's going to be a second city box set. So that mm. that 
could be cool if only because a second city box set might necessarily give us more information on what the heck is going on. One would hope and, so, yes. The, and the then Book of Joe. Water, just to keep the theme going, should be Junae. Doji <laughs> Junae. <laughs> Doji Junae. Hey, she was a keeper of water. Yes. Yes, she yeah, was. We'll just, we'll just go straight to the attractive girl in the in completely Queen. inappropriate midriff bearing yes. uh, wardrobe. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing says samurai drama girl. like a girl in a tube top. So, yeah. In Book of Fire, uh, they put your Phoenix cleavage girl on it. Yes. Well, sadly, with the Book of Water, uh, all of the books are illegible due to water damage. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are just the cards that you keep spilling things on. <laughs> I you didn't put it, spill you put it on your shelf, it goes home to wherever you bought it from. <laughs> uh, so, Nightfall has just been released on iOS, and Nightfall Coldest War... Uh, has been released in physical form, and later in the episode you can get a review of that. In the non-AEG universe, the big talk, a lot of that seems to be Rex from Twilight, uh, from Fantasy Flight Games, which is a reskinning of the old Dune game, and Lords of Waterdeep from Wizards of the Coast, which poor Mike here has shelled out the money for, and we just did not have the time to play today after all the L5Ring. I've already played it. I'm good. It's a good game. I'm ready to play it any other time. Well, I didn't get to play it then. <laughs> the previews have kicked off for Embers of War. So Embers of War is what starts to pre-release on May 4th and yes. officially releases on May 14th. And we'll all have our copies of Den of Inequity. And Den of Inequity Hooray! is now the promo for the... Although, they're, they're kind of playing games with the legality date. Because always, the 30 days has been 30 days from the release date, which would be June 14th and leave about 10 Kote. Yeah, didn't it kind of say something like it becomes legal like when it comes out or well, something? No, 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 Den of Iniquity, they had to change the legality date. Of it. Yeah, so the right. Den of Iniquity... There's no 30-day rules for promos. It's when it says or when they announce it. And but what it, it says, says is no April longer 1st. valid, right? Yeah. And now it's going to be legal on the 14th when Embers of War. I'm talking about when Embers of War itself is legal. Based on the traditional rules, it would be 30 days from May 14th, the release date. Mm -hmm. So it would be legal on June 14th. But instead, Nicola said it's going to be 30 days from when the... Pre-release? The pre-releases start, except that's uh, not really the date, because 30 days from the pre-releases, which start on May 4th, would be June 3rd. And they actually go legal on June 2nd, either because someone made a counting error or <laughs> because June 2nd is a Saturday. Yeah. yeah. I've, and I've, so they wanted it to be so legal they for the Kote that weekend. And so they wanted it to be for the weekend. entire Kote weekend and not for... The Saturday one, not the Saturday ones, but the Sunday ones. Or well, there was. Yes. Well, there's no this Sunday is legal only. Legal for the finals. <laughs> well, there, there's no Sunday only one, and you can't change your neck in the middle of the Cote. But it would mean that that would be another batch of Cote on that day that well, couldn't. You know, and it's kind of funny because um, I know the uh, the March 31st one uh, I think was the Florida Cote, and people were complaining because Dinamaniquity was originally April 1st, so it was on a Sunday immediately after the Cote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the... Well, I fixed that problem. Yep. Yeah, that's done, yeah. I don't think any of... 
Fuzz will play anything. No, Den of Iniquity will be legal for South Carolina for what we're playing, but yeah. Embers of War is done for anything anywhere close to down here. So Gen Con will, unless some of us really travel, Gen Con will be our first. fiddling with Dishonor. Uh, crack at that. So I wouldn't put it past Trevor. <laughs> he's crazy. It's possible. Well, but he's still only, I mean, he, he's crazy, but I mean, he went to Orlando and Louisiana too because he's willing to drive more than four or five hours. He does, you know, yeah. Orlando's maybe eight from here and yeah. less than that to go to Louisiana. And Dragon One, which makes six. Come on, Doug. By the time anyone hears this, we already know what happened, but tell me you took the second elephant. <laughs> I, want the, I want the Dragon Clan Elephant Chris wants Cavalry. Elephants. Matt Demand uh, won Tucson and took one of the two elephant stables. And you figure if anybody else takes the second elephant stables, okay, it doesn't really matter. They get the one card. But if you have one clan, especially a goofy one like the Dragon, take both of the elephant stables. <laughs> I mean, it may that, become a thing. Yeah, maybe we, yeah, it could be a thing. Maybe we actually get, you know, an RPG. Well, who cares about an RPG path for elephant riders that would never come? <laughs> but, but, Chris, yeah, I'm I mean, sure someone cares. But, you know, you, yeah, if you could someone recurrent, cares. if you could get, you know, recurring elephant cavalry in the CCG, come on, that'd be cool. In the previews so far, well, before we get back to what's been going on on the Cote, we've seen. Two of the three strongholds at this point, by the time this is up, everyone will have seen the Lion stronghold too. I can't say either stronghold has had a particularly positive reception so far. Mm -hmm. The Unicorn Tactician's got a new box, and the Spider Commander's got a new box. I like the Spider Commander box, personally, but, I mean, I've been playing Spider Commanders this arc or anything. Um, I don't like that box, personally. Uh, just because I think people underestimate how awesome well, right, Conqueror is. I especially, I, I think as time goes on, the good followers are probably going to have honor requirements, and that not the new box not having that you ignore honor requirements may be bigger. Yeah, I'd like two free spearheads every turn, well, though. Well, I mean, I think the problem with the box is it does nothing to help you against an honor deck. No, it which is no. going to be. Right, it, it doesn't have the action of, I move in. And you already right. get to conquer with one person. The other thing is you get to attach guys' battles, which does help against honor. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm, in, I'm inclined to like the original one better. I'd say that, you know, it could be a positive thing from a design standpoint to actually just use the honor requirement differences to segregate followers and everything. Because it actually yeah. could be a positive thing so that you don't, you know, see the exact same five spells in every spell deck and the exact same five weapons in every weapon right. deck and the exact same five followers. But that shift has kind of already sailed because the first Commander Stronghold did have that, so it's not like they can just straight up segregate them. Not anymore, yeah. The, the Unicorn one, the Unicorn Tacticians, I... Well, uh, I don't know if there was anything exciting for them in that, really, but cause they've still got a lot of blank. Well, I mean, it gives but I thought the I thought the box was decent. I don't know if it's yeah. better than draw a card. No, well, but but the thing with that one was that it also took a tactical action. Uh, but the other thing for this is it gives them a pretty good super friends option. I, yeah. Well, what I really think is that box kind of goes towards, and we've talked about this before, where it's kind of a funky box, the original one, and this gets back towards more of what people are used to with Unicorn, which is. Like oh my all gosh, my dudes are cavalry. 
Yeah. Well, and I think conversely, it it doesn't shore up that weakness that ca- that unicorn traditionally have of okay, I took out the first two, but now, now I'm what? actually yeah, yeah. now I'll, yeah. What well, you said doesn't? Yeah, because once those first two are gone, your box does nothing really. Well, uh, well, it's a force pump. It's a dinky. You likely wouldn't do that because it's yeah. then tactical open plus one force. But the the way in which it kind of does address that is because. You're playing with a bunch of guys who are infantry, and so they are costed like infantry instead of like cavalry. So when you get to later battles, you just have guys who are normal old infantry tacticians where you're not paying extra for cavalry just you're for not cavalry, using yeah. anymore. Now, I, like I said, I, there are a lot of the, the unicorn tacticians are, are blank and aren't that impressive. Yeah, and the right. I mean, I think that's really, that's right so now an issue. That's aren't really that the, impressive. The problem, if, yeah, if there were more. Unicorn tacticians who were exciting and just failed to be on horses. I think you're right that this would be much nicer. Of well, you can shove them on a horse to do our usual trick, well, and the, then there got, are a couple of pretty decent some of them. Ones. Yeah, Sh- yeah, Shinzo Junpei basic out of this box, it becomes a, a four force cav for seven who can bow guys even when he's not at the battlefield. Yeah, and that's not not shabby. That's better than Huarang, and we all think Huarang is good. Yeah. Uh, yes. You get the Topaz champion. You start getting other guys who are five force cavalry, four eight with abilities, which you don't get. Yeah. Now, I mean, the reason you don't get that is because that's the whole point is that you're using up your stronghold to get guys like that. Mm-hmm. But I kind of don't understand the fixed guy in the starter for the unicorn because it looks like maybe each starter is going to have. Two fixed, well, three fixed cards, the stronghold and a guy, and a weapon, because on the previews, they seem to have fixed, even though the description says that there's a stronghold and one additional exclusive card. But I think it's Junpei XP is, I think he's the fixed guy. He's at least A, unique in this, but he's got an ability that works from home, but his ability is a tactical ability, so if he stays home with the standard box, then he can't use his ability. And if you make him yeah. a cavalry with the new, well, not the standard box, but the old box, if you're making a cavalry with the new box, he can't use yeah. his new ability because it's a tactical open. And if he stays home so that he's not, you, 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 it's him and then you target one of your guys at the battlefield who's also performing, because, but because it's a tactical action, that means that that guy has to Is be using a tactician his tactical. and yeah. it uses up their tactical ability. It, For what? He, Junpei... He's performing the action, right? And the other guy, if he's at the battlefield, he can choose himself. So he's the only guy who's performing. But if he's at home, like his ability says, you can use it from home. Whoever the guy is who's at the battlefield is also performing the action, and it is a tactical action. Which means, in order to perform the action, in order to perform an action, you must be a tactician, and you cannot have performed another tactical action that turn. So, it, so if Junpei is at home. He has to have not used either box, and the guy at the battlefield has to also be a tactician and have not used any other tactical action, and it uses up both of their tactical actions for Junpei to do to, to his, do his thing. thing. Does he say? Does it say performing personality? Because they always specifically, explicitly say yes. performing. Yes. Yeah. Even if Junpei is at home, choose your performing unbowed personality. Yeah. Yeah. That's really extra bad. Well, <laughs> Would it still be using his tactical if someone else is performing it? Yeah, no, yes, because he's performing. performing it too because it's on him. 
Oh, yes. Using two yeah. tacticals to perform a melee four is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that's that has happened. Uh, I don't I'd remember when that was. Volley, I think. It was a number of years ago, I think, that that kind of came up. And I got the impression at the time that that hadn't quite been realized, that, oh, it uses up both guys' tactical actions. And I don't know if it was intended to do that this time. But the big thing is, in addition to that seeming kind of bad, he doesn't work with either box because both boxes have tactical actions. Yeah. Even though he really feels like he wants to stay home with the right the like especially with the old box you want to use the limited and and stay home if they just drop tactical off that he'd be worlds better oh yeah he'll be that's great for the old box true that's true of most things that have uh tactical on them except except for for some of the lions because you want them to trigger it right well well, yeah but i mean that's still but that's also how they're doing their other tacticians and he's a unique which tend to be like tad yeah we did mention that there are swords the unicorn gets, I think it's an experienced version of the Celestial Sword of the Unicorn. And then the spider get the experienced yeah. Ancestral Sword of Hante, which I am interested to see if there's a good reason for this, because when last we saw the Ancestral Sword of Hante was in the possession of Ueko and or Ueko Satai, because it was given to them as a wedding present. And why, I don't know why on earth you would give a symbol of the former dynasty to a guy who claims to have some right of rulership due to that. I mean, I get that the spider players, like for the players, like, oh, the spider players, that's cool. We love to get that. But it seems very strange from a... Ueko obviously just didn't want it that bad and they just re-gifted it. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if it's just, yeah, Uh, maybe, maybe he came up and said, hey, that... Katsutoshi guys stole it from the City of the Lost in the first place, so you have to give it back. I'm just hoping it trades hands like it did when they gave it to Kasada. (laughs) (laughs) I don't... I don't see that happening, but that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. What what do you think the chances are that they're gonna let somebody just stab Kenpeki and cripple him? Yeah, zero. I don't say Kenpeki. Anybody? (laughs) Anybody. Um... Like only, Kisada again? The only reason I can no, think... The little bear. <laughs> and the, the little bear throws a guy no, in front no. of it. <laughs> Just think about that, crowd players. Do you think the story team's going to be able to resist the temptation to have Kempeki stick Kisada, the new Kisada, with the ancestral sword <laughs> of the Hante again? You're going to get a little bear holding one of these days, guys. Um, no, no, the, Justin pointed out, he... The, uh, Kempeki is going to stab him with a sword. He reacts. Kasada reacts, grabs somebody, shoves him in front. <laughs> My sword. I'll take this down. Um, the only reason I can think that they did this is that the swords tend to follow bloodlines, and since Kempeki's technically Hante... Well, that, which is, but that's, that's the point of why you wouldn't give it to right, him. I know, I understand. You would, you would, especially since they've made it quite... It sort of legitimizes? I, 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 yeah, they, they've made it quite clear that Within the spider, they still talk about Kenpeki being the rightful ruler of the empire. Right. Although, again, I'm pretty sure that that's treason. But since nobody ever finds out anything that a secret conspiracy is doing in Rokugan, I we're pretty bad no. at that. Uh, unless they're ninjas dressed all in white, then they're okay. Well, there was just well one of those, right? Yes, and he found out the Colette secrets, right? So no, he he didn't find out the Colette secret. He was trained as a Colot, and then he. It's funny, the people who are trained as Colot and then betray the Colot never tell anyone about the Colot. Well, then who am I thinking of that just randomly stumbled into Colot secrets? Janawa, that was it. Yeah, well, you know, he probably Janawa, ended up yeah. working with... He, he was drunk, he randomly but... stumbled into the Colot secrets. It was like, yeah, okay. It, it, 
I've yeah. been reading too much Hidden Chicken again, haven't I? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. And that's not just a cola thing. It's sort of like a, you can hand wave that kind of thing when it's just, you're, you're just creating this villain for the first time and like, oh, and by the way, the lying darkness has been here for the last however many years. Yeah, and you guys, he was here this whole time. You just didn't look to the left. <laughs> yeah. But then when it's ongoing in the storyline, it, conspiracies aren't actually that effective that no one even knows they exist. I, yeah. it, Conspiracies well, have some kind of head point. There was that one guy, but he was wearing this weird tinfoil hat, so no one took him seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking about unicorns wearing hard hats and <laughs> unicorn horns. Maybe that was the guy. Oh, the, the um, it wasn't that. No, I, no, it was, no, it was no, no, headbands. Stop, stop, come back. That was the guy. He was a Colat master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not allegedly. He, he was, was a yeah. Colat master. I, <laughs> that was his tinfoil hat. Now we know. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what they did. They dressed in funny hats and went around talking about the Colat so no one believed them. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same for a thing like with Ninja. Wait, it's wait, like, wait, seriously, wait. the Scorpion have had an entire family of people who are Ninja for like a thousand years. And, and everyone yet, still yet like, everyone still thinks it's yeah. a ninja myth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what? it's like being like, yeah, the Green Berets, they're just a myth. <laughs> I, you, may, you may not know exactly who they are or what they're doing, but you all know they exist. Yeah. I, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying that people wearing funny hats were Colat? Was I Jow a Colat? I'm starting that rumor right now. Eat a Jow fuzzy hat, Colat. Yes. Yeah. Uh, rumor, star rumor started. Wrong XP. <laughs> Odin Haram. Buckethead? Yes. yes. Buckethead Colot? Bucket Hornhead. Yes. I mean, if you're going by sheer size of helmet, he's got to be the biggest Colot around. He's Master Tiger! Yes! He's Auto Master horse. Stag. <laughs> it's a new one. Oh, okay. I thought Robert Baratheon was. Snow? <laughs> uh, but let's see. We, we are absolutely not going to, to go through all of the the previews because we're just gonna go we, through yeah, all that yeah, stuff wait till we do it later wait two the episodes, set we'll do out. that but there are some ones that generated a lot of chatter on the boards and we'll start with the one that gave me a big grin on my face this morning games <laughs> of will yes because it is meta for games of sincerity yeah chris just laughs at me <laughs> i have gamed him many many times <laughs> Yeah, the kids they really do not like being gamed. Uh, every, yeah, I mean, sometimes you do just get and to you do. Know what? Chris, you're just not sincere guys. enough. And you know what? My deck is probably also going to play it. I know I'm not <laughs> the only guy playing games. Uh, yeah, so that it's you know it's basically what battle negate all current and future force penalties on the guy and negate all current and future game of sincerities or whatever yeah, else prevents him from contributing force to yeah. his army. Now, now there just needs to be a meta for choke slam. <laughs> well, and it's got another ability on it. Yeah, but I can't even remember. I don't even remember it's, this it's point. battle target a personality with either equal or just lower L lower gold, lower gold, gold cost. Lower gold cost. Bow them. I don't think that's going to get played as much. Well, that's really pretty decent too, actually. I mean, it's another option. I mean, if you're, I mean, realistically, we're talking about a card that's essentially meta for, you know, game of sincerity and force drops, and. You can pretty much always spy someone with lower gold cost than someone to bow. And, well, unless your guys cost seven. Yeah. Then you may not have targets. Yeah. I mean, that's not deck, deck. In which case, bowing them is terrible, usually. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the dragon deck has like, what, one eight, one nine, and then most of the rest. 
Like one, yeah, three like off. Yamazaki. Yeah, Yamazaki. I have to pay for him like he was a nine, but he's still just a seven. But I mean, I'm like running a deck of about half eights and half sevens. I can usually always find a juicy target for the golden steel, which is pretty much the same kind of thing. I mean, it doesn't need to be better. I think it will see occasional use, just like Cast Aside the Week occasionally gets used as an open. Yeah, and I think that'll get played because Tireless Efforts sometimes gets played in Kensei. And, and well, granted, that also has Battle Straight, and Kensei are never going to pass up that as a secondary yeah. ability. The, the main thing they're using it for is the meta effect on force penalties on that, and Game just blows that one out. Yeah. Uh, g- games of Will blows that out of the water. There was Temple Fortress, which uh, youth, I think, were interested in, Jay. The cost for it only produces two gold, but the first time each turn you bow it, you, you gain an honor, honor just yeah. for, As a trait. for bowing it. Yeah. That's some painful gold, but... It, it is, but, I mean, especially when you've got, like, Kodo and other holding straightening, I'll pay for it. Yeah. I mean, if you can hit that and a clan holding, that's pretty good. Well, if you hit one of those and a two for two, that is bad times. Well, but I suppose how, it's no worse than a couple of two-for-twos, yeah, though. Yeah, it's not really any different production-wise from, from a two-for-two two for the most part, unless you've got so many four-gold things in your deck already that you that risk you're showing really, them. Yeah. yeah. Are you playing any other fours right now in Honor Runners? Personally, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's only one four that typically you see play in a crane. That's the... Uh, the Airshugenja. Well, and it's a, it's a temple, so the Crane Airshugenja can Manifus- open, Manifusa. yeah, can open straighten it too, just like the yeah, or courtier. The the courtier can, and, and then hopefully uh, bow. And it's it. the first time it's bowed every turn, right? So you yeah. can right. just during your opponent's turn overpay something. Yep. Yeah, as long as, on your opponent's sure, turn, you even two. What? No, even yeah. if you don't have anything to spend, as long as you play anything that has a gold cost. If you play, play any a strategy card. out of your yeah, hand, yeah. just overpay you can just it. Pay yeah. overpay the honor. Yeah. Don't have anything better to do. The Scorpion Sensei generated a lot of chatter. Uh, Bayushi Kazutoshi, who is experienced, experienced the, the student, yes, and he is now the Sensei. It's a pretty nifty card. I had to roll my eyes at someone was talking about how oh how he wasn't as good as Yogo Kazunori, the the Sensei's you know actually name card, and somebody's like, prove to me that he was really that that's that guy was really the Sensei. It's kind of one of yes, the guys, my it was eyes. the Sensei. I, <laughs> but you you have missed the entire point of the graphic novel if you uh, yeah. But yeah, then I picked it plus up. Plus ten honor requirements on everything that hurts a lot of the big decks. Yeah, th- like I mean, lion that hits every personality. Yes. Um, your scorpion paragons obviously not. Yeah, but the the, the, Kensai, I mean, the high honor clans. Yeah, I mean if you were almost I was actually any looking at crab deck, scouts even, and almost every guy zero. in the crab scouts is a zero or a yes. three. Yeah. Yep. Yes. The, the yeah the berserkers and the yukizuki yeah like the, the berserkers won't. I think are mostly dashes, but the non-human like jigagun. The um, in fact, remember I I was actually complaining about uh, crane honor requirements and that you know they were pretty high to box. I went back through and looked at the crab scout requirements. They've got a lot of twos and threes. I think yeah. right now that's a hold off from when they had the jade stuff. Um, so they they still have like like a lot of jade people. So it's like two honor and three honor or whatnot. They have high honor requirements. I mean yeah. that that person that per- adding ten honor requirements just jacks a lot of the big decks. Yeah, yeah. he's effectively singular, which is kind of obnoxious. There but... is a counterpoint. Okay, yes, there are decks that they, he does nothing against yeah. because they just have dashes. But mm-hmm. you probably just don't buy him there. But Making every single one of your opponent's guys cost you more is enormous. Well, you're 
gonna be stuck buying him anyway just because i mean he's a courtier you need to spy a courtier to yeah do- well and yeah and he's probably a paragon card more than anything because his only keyword is courtier yeah so he's not and he's just he's four three for seven and he's blank other than yeah, the he's ability. Not functional. He's yeah well he's not functional yeah, okay. in a ninja deck because he doesn't have ninja in the defensive dishonor deck you really shouldn't need his trait because you're going to be dinging down if you get him right away it's still not bad because yeah. you can more immediately kick that in but you're probably wanting to buy else. cheaper guys yeah, early his on anyway don't matter and he's not a magistrate for the that deck but yeah for paragons it gives you if you want yeah another 4-3 courtier that you can throw in there i mean right now i'd have him replacing my 4-3 courtier with a battle ability and I'd be basically trading away the battle ability for hose your gold costs. Yeah. But and in you, return, he's blank and singular, yeah, basically. And you, yeah. yeah, you probably just put one of him in uh, if you see him right away against the appropriate sort of deck bonus. Yeah. You can throw in the event if you really wanted to run to it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the Iron Flower personality is one of the more phenomenal people in the deck anyway. She's the worst courtier I'm playing right now. Huh. She's not bad either. No, she's, she's like not four bad three either. with a real ability. She's four three with a real like bow ability. Uh let's see. There's uh the Senkaku Yari. It's plus five force weapon for six gold with a melee four or five if the target is cavalry. It doesn't bow to use its ability. And we're not sure how well it will fit into weapon decks. Or any decks. Well, those are the ones who would presumably be using it. I mean it, it's I'll do my Trevor impression. Wormbone katana. It, yeah, well, that's... It. Well, like, I mean, th- th- there's more decks, though, that um, that are kind of experimenting, especially now that attachments are so good. Like, uh, the Crane Scouts, there's there's both a weapon and, uh, a- and a follower attachment. Same thing with the uh, Conqueror deck. I mean, what kind of stuff is already there at the six gold price point, and now how much... That's the upside it has. It's six gold for weapons, you've got Hunger. Yeah. yeah. And this is better than Hunger, I think, anyway. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I mean, six is a couple of three producing holdings, or a six for five in a small farm, or... Six for five is pretty good stats, too. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. I think he means a six for five holding to buy it. I'm buying it. Which, which, yeah, a six for five holdings are probably a little bit easier on seven or eight gold things, because then you're combining it with a gold mine or a heavy infantry dojo to get an eight, or a... I mean, because I don't know how many, I know I have small, I'm... Because I continue to mess with my gold scheme. I have small farms in my Kensei now. Yeah. I don't know how many other Kensei decks have small farms. I've got one. Uh, <laughs> it is at a different price point, which could matter. But you're. Yeah. But it's competing with a lot of real good weapons. Although it does cost two more. Cursed Relic, I'm probably less hot on than some other people, although it does still have a kill action. Yeah. Except. It's better than. Except that. The ranged attack is really handy for picking off all these Ashigaru Elite and Grateful Reward tokens and Nakano Technique tokens when you're sitting there yeah. staring at some paragon hiding behind some behind behind, hiding behind his peasants. <laughs> well, but I, we do that a I lot. Like, I like Chris Relic. I like Chris Relic a lot um, because the room move from the game gets around a lot of stuff because you can't near miss that. You, when I was playing uh, some spider, uh, one of the uh, scorpion paragon decks, he had his guy at like 
12 force, and I didn't have to do something to, like, reduce him down and then kill him off. It was just, bam, you don't have attachments, you remove Yeah, no, no, it, it's certainly not. It was just, I mean, at least it's something that's 8, so if you're looking at the cost, at 7, you've got modifications and Suruchi Daikyu. Which are both quite good. It seems better than Suruchi Daikyu. It's only a range 4 instead of a range 5, but it costs one less gold and it doesn't bow. And that seems worth it. Yeah. But Suruchi Daikyu usually is sort of like just not making, like just barely not making it. Yeah. Because you're already looking at, you have Wormbone and then Cursed Relic and then Modifications and then if you're Kensei, Nightingale Blade. And that's already 12. And then you have Blade of Champions, and that's 13. And that's usually your weapons allotment. Yeah, you don't want and more so than that. And so the question is then, okay, it, you, you know, you're passing Saruchi Daikyu maybe, but does that get you in? And I think it's going to be, it's uh, maybe obviously, it's going to have to be because the gold cost just works out works better. Works for whatever you're right. doing. It, it, it would be nice to see more attachments at different price points around instead of just loading up on the big, awesome ones. Let's see, what else generated a lot of chatter? The Scorpion Wall is finished. That, that generated a lot of chatter. For a card that's not going to get played generally? Ever. Yeah. I, I said, if that card's getting <laughs> played, holy cow, Enlightenment must be too good. Or people yeah. really hate remembering well, their ancestors. <laughs> no, it's really. so, don't say ever, because you know there'll be that one guy who just despises some oh, somebody else's deck that draws too many that cards. That still counts as not ever. I, well, yeah. I think... It also stops stuff from getting discarded, which might be the sort of thing that annoys people, but there's so few effects that make you discard cards. I laugh at you, Asawa Kimi. I draw cards, and you can't stop me. No! I mean, I think the biggest one you probably actually see is uh, Disrupting Communications. Yeah. Well, you you got Disrupting Communications and Honesty of the Phoenix and Sincerity of the Dragon. Introspect. I'm not, yeah, like, is the whole introspection thing the reason why people are singling out Enlightenment? I don't know. Well, just, I mean, Enlightenment is a combo deck that it needs to draw 37 million cards, and so... Are people still just randomly throwing in three introspects in Void? I think so, yeah. When an Enlightenment... Oh, just in, in, in random decks? Yes, no, in random Enlightenment, decks, no. of course. Because you still have uh, score a ring. I've seen yeah. Void coming out of a lot. And then uh, another card that, uh, probably the last one in art, had generated chatter is Unstoppable Strike. Yeah. I think it, it, for me, if nothing else, is a really interesting tempo thing. Yeah. Well, I, I would think it would be more interesting if there was an Iron Will in the environment, because that's oh, yeah. the one thing that really worries me. I'm going to throw this <laughs> on my dude, and I don't care about any, whatever you else you do, and then your unit dies. And there's also the, uh, the great, uh, this is super combo but you throw it on a naval personality, and uh, you throw him on a naval personality, and you when you ambush, and then kill him off, and then get Fukuzo to permanently copy. Yes, yes. If you if you kill the guy and Fukuzo copies the guy with the ability, his version of the ability is permanent, even though the version on I the mean, original guy is is temporary. I think his card's play, just but. a beat stick. I mean, I'm already thinking right now, like in the in the Scorpion Paragons, I'm like, I will gladly put that, you know, to kill some guy with attachments, and you deal with my guy, and Quan Chai falls over instead, and then I kill you. Well, and, and Scorpion Paragons is probably reasonable ways to defend itself if it needs to against Unstoppable Strike, because yeah. you have a lot of bow that goes through, through attachments. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. 
And that's what the big thing is, because really that, barring being able to do obnoxious things both ways with Iron Will, either protecting yeah. your guy or stopping Unstoppable Strike from doing right. anything anyway, is I have a guy with an attachment, which makes him very hard to deal with. Yeah. And you have a guy with an attachment that makes your guy hard to deal with, so I'm going to just put an Unstoppable Strike on my guy and rely on rely my on attachments no, no fear to protect me and then just blow up your unit. I think it's going to see a lot of play. Uh, well, there's enough redirection. It, I, I think it's going to at least get played with, or like like tested with. Well, oh, oh, of course, uh, anything's going to be tested, but I mean, it, it's definitely worth looking at and seeing. Oh, I think we'll see quite a bit of play. I don't know how much chatter there's been on them, but we'll also, of course, mention that if you go to strangeassembly.com, we did have the previews for Perplexing Guests, which is perplexing, although Not possibly much nasty with crab. Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. really nasty. Yeah, it should be like turn one, attack, create presence, duty the crab. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh maniacally. Yeah. And then Perplexing Guests has a reaction when one of your guys gets discarded to when mm-hmm. one of your guys gets targeted to discard him, yep. which doesn't do an awful lot, although it could help you with Earth. It just bun- a bunch of weird things. And then it it's has weird. to create a monk. Well, uh, one of the other things I had heard is uh, since you're already going to be r- probably running it in Crab, the target Casada, you have no way of stopping the kill or whatever, so you target him with that and then duty of the Crab him back in because he got discarded. Well, and also uh, against Dishonor, it's a. S- some fake seppuku. Yep. Yeah, if your guy yeah. was going to die anyway right. and cost you honor less, yeah. But yeah. It, it, so corner casey sort of stuff. Frankly, I hope it. I hope it's not really playable for turn one blitz or even. I know. Three turn blitz. There is meta for some of There's that. There's meta. I mean, you can right, caught on wears that. But no, you, no can't. you can't caught on wears it. No. Because the guys don't. Because that's an open, and they didn't yeah. exist in the open phase. Yeah. But you still, you've got some presenceless like flooded pass. You've got heavily engaged, which you probably can't rely on that much. Uh, no, well, the, the, big, uh, the, the, thing, the thing that you would want to run is probably oh, yeah, hidden defenses. Uh, but the problem is, you also have caught in the act. They have stuff they can do. It's it's probably just easier when that. An actual turn one blitz doesn't exist yeah. in a functional form. Yeah, I like that better. The other one was Temple to the Elements, which is a six for five holding that also has an open that lets you throw an elemental keyword. Uh, it certainly has some interesting applications, but it feels like it's just too little to justify. It feels like a duck kind of the time. card, you know? Yeah. It is a big temple to use with Masafune or whatever the. Asahina's name is that Yamazaki opens into temple. The monks. Is that like an <laughs> uncommon or a rare? I can't remember. I don't know. You mentioned his name earlier. No, 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 no. Uh, not Munafusa. The, uh, the, uh, the temple itself. I have no earthly clue what its rarity was. Okay. I was going to say, because that also kind of seems almost maybe more like a sealed card. Oh, no. Hmm. You've got plenty of Kyo and spells that like the guy to be a particular element. You can... Make a guy water so he can skip the puddle or use Temple of the uh, Tempest of the Elements better, or make yeah. a let a guy use Katana the Katana the where the bow of water ability is probably more relevant than the because Katana fire is just whether or not you have to bow the weapon and you right, don't really yeah. care. I mean, I think it'll see some play. I was playing against a Mantis Shugenja deck today that was just playing the cheap dude that could give himself an elemental keyword. So apparently that was relevant enough to him. Yeah, it. It's sort of interesting. I hope it. I hope it's not really intended to be a problem solver for monks, because it is yeah. wholly inadequate to that task. I don't know. So, uh, as far as L5R is, it's going right now. 
we've had a Scorpion Dishonor deck go undefeated through Swiss. The and more then I make see of this environment, the more confused I get. Uh, there was a a Goju deck that made top four in Louisiana today. Yeah, I don't get it. There was a, I think in Tucson say, maybe, there was a Phoenix Yojimbo deck that I think made the top four or something awesome. like that. I will say I've played with the Scorpion Dishonored deck some today. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. Well, and, and to clarify, you played with a Scorpion Dishonored. Uh, yeah, I, we don't I have mean, the deck list no for one has. We don't have the deck list for the tournament winning deck. All I knew... It didn't win. Or, or, yeah. But it did very well. All I knew going into it was someone said it was running like all the castles pretty much yes all yeah somebody would played against it all whopping nine of them so i ran the whopping nine castles and the siege volley for the you know unopposed province strength pump and just went from there and it's it did better than i expected it would but with paragons around i'm not playing that deck right now and well and ancient feud is starting to see play from what i've been hearing and that nerfs a lot of that yeah you're already going to run that because Honor Deck started getting yeah. doing better. Yeah, well, and and Rocky Terrain and Heart of Darkness are so good. Yep. So it's yeah. also answers for those if you need. I mean, what are you going to do? You kind of just got to deal with Ancient Feud. If they play it, you're just whatever. Yeah. Nice lose uh, a province. Fine. Yep. Let's see what else is Dragon Honor won the the Budapest Kote, I believe, out of Watchful Eye Dojo. I don't know what. Dragon just won Lafayette today. I don't know what I don't Doug know if they D said was playing. Probably can't say. Probably, but, but I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll have our you know, you'll you'll have updated numbers on this on the our website before you hear the podcast. Yeah. So oh but it, I mean it's interesting to see a couple of things. I don't know one always has to be careful to assign too much weight to one a deck doing well on one occasion. Yeah. You go through a combination of, of luck and play skill that doesn't... You know, if, if there's a deck that seems bad throughout the entirety of Kote season, then once a guy does good... Was this one time a guy does yeah. good with it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. It, Especially it if he the gets deck lucky. list isn't out, I'm still going to play as if Scorpion Dishonor does not exist. Yeah, well, but that's even a different thing. Even if, yeah, even if you assume that that deck really is the good... And the fact that he went undefeated through Swiss and then made it to the finals is substantially better than, you know, a guy who... Went, like, and I don't. You know, when I don't know what the numbers were, but Louisiana, yeah. I mean, if that, you know, if you go four right. two and then make the cut and then win in a play-in round before losing in top four, that's that's not the same thing as right. going to a gigantic cote, going undefeated, and then making it to the the finals yeah. as as an indication. True. I mean, you'd like to get more, but even if the deck is stupendous and great, it doesn't matter if nobody has the deck list and yeah. no one's playing it. So. And so that has not gotten published out there yet. So if I'll if assume I'll keep just... not seeing good Dishonor decks. Yeah. And if I run into a guy playing a phenomenal Dishonor deck, fine. I'll I'll use know, my Chiro Chugo. Use Chiro Chugo and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you gonna do anyway? Put in have a tea formal party? apology. Yeah, I know, right? Keep running my brawls to punch terrains in the face. Do, do enjoy the mental image of, you know, punching a flooded pass in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, yeah. It, Second you, City, you have annoyed me. 
Face it punch. Well, I, I, it I works think that's better. Maybe you have a brawl and the collateral damage takes down. It the... works better. Like imagining yeah, that's what it I as kind of a crab of as, to the extent that as makes some crab berserker punching yeah. to solve the problem. But I like to try to imagine it's Quan Chai punching a flooded pass in the face. Because it's just funnier that way. Because why not? He would yeah. totally do it. Well, that's fun. You know, isn't Quanch, I would do is it. Brawl unperform- isn't Brawl Unperformed? Brawl is yeah. Unperformed. Yeah. So no one is punching. No it's one is just, punching it. It's just there's a brawl going on. Smash, 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 smash. There's a fight smash, going smash. on and the pass is no longer flooded. We don't Apparently, know how. Hockey or soccer has gotten really popular. <laughs> <laughs> it's hacky sack. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. That's what, that's what, oh, what's the. Oh, the. What's the name of the Kamari? That's what. Yeah, Kamari is basically yeah. hacky sack with like a a bigger ball. Uh, <laughs> it played in full courtly attire, so you look ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that that's our uh, L5R update for today. Feel free to stay tuned and listen to the review about the Coldest War and to us talking about eminent domain versus core worlds a maybe or maybe not fair comparison (laughs) this is a strange assembly review of nightfall coldest war i'm chris stevenson and here with me today are j earl justin purdy hi and Mike Cook. What's up? And now Nightfall, Coldest War is a standalone expansion, but for purposes of this review, we are going to assume that you have played Nightfall before. If you haven't played yep. Nightfall before, you can go back and look at other stuff on the Strange Assembly website or on, on Board Game Geek or something, but we, we don't want to to go back over everything about the game. So let's start with the changes in that have been implemented in Coldest War, and there are a A lot of them. The first thing that will affect all the games that is played in is that there is an entirely different set of starting decks. Again, it's 12 cards, two of each. All all are minions. Yeah, two of each card. Each one is, you know, each card is a different color and has just the two moons. green, green, or red, red. Yeah. The blue guy became a zombie that blows himself up to draw cards. The purple one is a minion that deals damage when he blocks. The red one is a minion whose force is equal to the number of minions that the defending player controls. The white one has pretty good health and lets you fiddle with the top of your deck. Batsmoke got replaced by... How do you say that, Justin? Well, it's the same. It's all caps. It's Jarek, but it's Jarek because it's in all caps. It, it's Ghoul, Joseph, Alois, Raiko, Edvard, and Carol. So it's I guess it's five people stitched together, and he just sits in play and Every then turn heals, he heals himself. himself up, on, well, yeah. on each of your turns, and then Victor One lets you claim cards out of other people's private archives, although. It's not entirely clear about when that does. I may have been the only person who out of here who couldn't tell that, but when a ch- card's chain effect says you may claim one order from an opposing private archive, that makes me think it happens right now when the card is resolving, and yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't happen until later on at the end your of the turn. Phase. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I got thrown by that too. And I guess that's kind of implied because it's your chain. Yeah. Instead of, but yeah, anyhow. well. Well, but right, I mean, the, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It may have only wanted you to do it during your chain. Yeah. Uh, right, but I mean, I mean, you specifically asked me, and I said, 
it worked like you thought it worked, and it I, I was also wrong. Yeah, so there's new starting cards. There is an new wound. Uh, there, there are, yeah, there's a new wound, the Coldest War wounds, and the Coldest War comes with, I think about half the wounds are base set wounds, a quarter of the wounds are martial law wounds, uh, and if you haven't played martial law, those are the ones you can pitch from your hand to increase the strength of an attacking minion. Yeah. And then there's the Coldest War wounds, and the Coldest War wounds are basically wild, wild cards, cards wild in card chain. Yeah, you can yeah. chain from anything to a Coldest War wound and then to anything. Which is really neat. And the yeah. wounds all actually have different art on them now. The burn wounds have the ghoul on ghoul fire, fire, I think. Yeah. The bite, the bleed wounds have a bite vampire, bite. and then the the bite wounds have a werewolf. Although, in retrospect, those probably should have been like claw wounds, because really, maybe it's just because I'm a more vampire sort of guy, but bite yeah. wounds makes me think of vampire too. They both kind of bite. That's kind of the weird Yeah. <laughs> There are now attachments. There are a couple of action cards that you put them into play attached to one of the minions, yeah. and then they give some effect to that minion. One, they think, increases the strength by two, and the other one makes the minion stay in play permanently. And <laughs> on top of all that, there are now combat actions. And a combat action is just Discard the card from your hand, it does something. So it is, I think, the first time you can play cards without using the chain. Yeah. You can just play cards from your hand. And there are things that heal minions and do damage to minions and... Just do damage straight to a player. As a combat? Yeah, as a combat. Okay. Or make minions stronger or weaker. That one vampire I was playing with last game. Uh, is that oh Katya or Katya or Kalia? Yeah, she's the the cover art. Thematically, Coldest War is uh, they're off in Moscow, sort of. Yeah, a, yeah, Soviet Russia. In Soviet Russia, you bite vampire. Nom <laughs> <laughs> nom nom. And in addition to that, there's the moons. Yes, yes. There is an there's an optional set. Very, of, very optional. Very optional. There's an optional set of six cards that are. Phases of the moon, and you look at the art, you go from a full moon to a dark moon, and you've got waxing and waning crescents and whatever the Gibbuses. Gibbous, waxing and waning gibbous. Yes. Moon, there you go. So if you play with them, it's one phase of the moon, and it has some sort of global effect. And at the end of each player's turn, that player has the. They can keep it in play. Yeah, they can keep it in play, or they can, in one of a couple ways, change it change what the the moon is yeah. you never get to pick what the moon is but it's possible if you've gone through the set of six and no one has shuffled them up you might know what the next one is yeah. but for most of the the time it's going to end up being just a random one that you're you're seeing and the moons do global things and a lot of them are related to like what, what types of cards you have yeah yeah the the new moon heals vampires and lycanthropes the full moon which is called the wolf moon Gives Lycanthropes additional strength. The Hunter's Moon lets you draw an extra card every time. It lets anyone draw an extra card whenever they put a Hunter into play. The Harvest Moon lets people bring ghouls back from the discard pile. The Butcher's Moon negates all damage inflicted on vampires. And the Blue Moon... I'm not sure why it's called the Blue Moon, but... <laughs> makes all, all actions always get their kickers. There, there is... It's there is a blue moon, but that's... Or, man, I'm thinking harvest. 
Cause, oh. but, but that's like a, that's an environmental I've thing. I've just that's got not a about yes. in my yes. head now. Yeah, yeah. It, there is such a thing as a blue moon, but I don't think that's it. But I'm too lazy to All, all go I can think of is the song, which is now stuck in my head. <laughs> the only thing, what, the on only reason moon? I know about any a of the moon? phases of the moon, as much as I like blue science, blue moon. <laughs> the only I like reason I know better. about <laughs> the only reason I know about any of the phases of the moon is because of rage. <laughs> <laughs> no, straight up, the, the, C, the old CCG. Well, uh, well, uh, werewolf, I guess. Oh, yeah, oh. I, I think rage. Cause so there's a lot of new mechanics. The moons are optional, and we Seriously, didn't optional. find they added much. Yeah, we did not like the moons. They're, they're too random. Well, it's not random. It's, I mean, it is obviously it's random in that at any point anyone can, at the end of their turn, just get rid of it, shuffle them all up, and try again. Right. But no, no, I'm referring to it's random in that who, it, while it's a global effect, it's random on who's actually getting. Yeah, and which one comes up? And I feel like maybe it might have even been better if you were able to change the moon at the beginning of your turn, but you have to do it at the end, don't you? At the end, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh well. This is good for you, so I can screw you over, but there's no way for me to say, oh, well, that's bad for me. Let me shuffle it and try and get some. Yeah, there, there were a lot of... You, you can't really plan around the moons, so no. it's not like you can strategically build your deck. And a lot of time, it just seemed to be, oh, this moon shows up. There's one player who primarily benefits from that. So as soon as it's not his turn, if the active player is actually yeah. remembers yep. that the moon is there, they just send it away. It's like, oh... You've got all the hunters, so no moon... No hunter's moon for you. Although you guys didn't do that for like two or three turns. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. As long as, as, long <laughs> yeah. as uh, people remember, yeah, you are not forgiven. Well, it wasn't just you. It was like two or three people. It, no one remembered it until I drew like five cards. Yeah, which is not really... <laughs> you, you do not want a game being influenced by the fact that there's some random thing out there that just no one remembers exists. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the... um. It's not exactly the same thing, but the new Ascension has something kind of like that, because it has a global event that comes out, um, and it has a new type of enemy that you can pop, and depending on what the event is, it, you pop it for a different effect. And that feels, that at least feels really good. This just feels, like, too random, because that has, like, an effect that does everybody, but if you're going for one style of deck, it helps a lot. This is, like, I think also kind of partially feels into the the thing that I always feel weird about Nightfall for. I feel like I, I want it to be a factional game. Like, I want to yeah. go into werewolves, or I want to go into vampires, and the, the cards themselves feel like they should be going that way. But know what I you wish... can't. It's too random, so you really can't make a vampire. Well, you can if you use the you new constructed, constructed right. deck format. Hey, it's another new thing. And then maybe, well, maybe the moons will be better there when you can be like, oh, I'm playing a vampire deck, so let's make sure my vampire moon's up. I don't think so, because there's there's not enough cost attached. Well, I wish so, the moon was something well, more like the moons. when you flop up a moon, you get to say, pick a type of card. Well, the, you know? the moons are... St well, I, I wouldn't want that in the standard multiplayer game. The moons you can use in... Constructed, yeah. The, the constructed, each player gets to construct two 12-card private archives that have no more than three copies of any single card. So, I don't know what's strategically the right thing is, but likely you're ending up with something like each 12-card archive has four different cards with three of each. There's no draft. There's no common archives. Each player gets to construct their own 15-card wound stack. And when your wound stack is depleted you lose, and you're immediately out of the game. 
we didn't play that, so no, no, we have not. Well, yeah, we have that. That would require everyone to sit down and play, and you probably want to have your own your own your copy, own copy of, Nightfall. of the game. But that could let you make a factional deck if you wanted. And there definitely continue to be more factional cards. There are cards that prevent damage to vampires, cards that heal vampires, cards, cards that, that kill lycanthropes. Like there's yeah, a vampire that can specifically unsummon hunters. Yeah. There's the the ghoul lord, where we'll call him, who is pretty bad if you aren't able to get a bunch of ghouls because he hits you for a wound every turn, but he keeps all of your ghouls but in play. Anytime that you attack, he's got two attack, he's got two wounds, and anytime you attack with him, which you have to attack every turn because uh, that's how the game works, you have to take a wound. Yeah, obviously if you don't have at least one, maybe a couple other ghouls. He's really, really bad. bad. Yeah. But it makes all the ghouls stick around. Playing Coldest War compared to the Prairie Nightfalls, it felt like we cared more about defending. Maybe there were just more minions that had a larger relevant amount of health. Partially, I think it was Jarek and the way that his regeneration Jarek, works. Yeah. But we seemed to do more multi blocking and assigning of damage among different defenders. And then there were also a couple of one guy's there who were just never gonna defend. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I felt like this game felt a lot more about the minions than previous iterations have. I felt like other games, yes, you were you had the minions, you had to worry about the minions, but there was also cards that were, you take wounds, you take wounds. Whereas this, there weren't that many. Most of it was deal with minions, and then minions go and swing to hand out. On the other hand, I played, I was basically playing in the last game nothing but things which were like, I hand you wounds, I hand you wounds straight out. And I don't think it's that based on minions. I mean, to a degree, it's kind of minion-based, but it's not like martial law where minions are staying in play and it's just such a big deal. Yeah, well, to the extent it was minion-based, I think Joe would mean that we played a, one game where we had a lot of turns in a row where everything got shredded. But Jay, yeah. your private archives in that same game was Katya, yeah. who, whose chain effect is to deal one damage to a player, and Dog Eats Dog, which is the chain effect is to deal one damage, and I had a card in my private archives, which was to deal two damages. And part of that was just how we develop things, and part of that is that Mike had Asset 7, who's really good, because he comes into play, and he deals where his, his chain effect is to deal two damage to something, and if that kills something, and there's almost always something you can kill with two, then you get to deal two damage to, to something else. So there was a lot of turning around. I mean, you know, he, a lot he takes a lot died. of guys. All Fears Revealed, which is a, a pretty interesting card, I think, where... I like the mechanic. Each of your opponents deals two damage to something, but they can't target your guys. So it just sets your opponents loose on each other. Yeah. And that's... I like you, the mechanic a Yeah, lot. you don't yeah. get to control what it is, but that's still six damage that's getting dealt out. So that's the, a lot of minions mm -hmm. getting cleared out. Foul Revenant, if it actually ever stuck around, although it never seemed to, whenever it attacks, yeah. it deals one wound to everyone. Because it only has else. one health. Right? Yeah. 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 Stuff stuff did get shot a lot. And partially it was there's a combat card where you can just discard it to deal two damage to a minion. That yeah. kept a lot of stuff off the board. I mean there was a lot of but, churn in these minions. And there's also the uh there's the minion that when she comes into play you choose someone with one health and instead of destroying them you remove them from the game. And the chain ability of the combat card that deals two damage just to target a player and have all of their stuff go down to to one health. To one, yeah. That card I think caused a few timing problems. 
not in a rule sense, but because there are a few cards like that one that say before anyone attacks. And yeah. so it's sort of like the turn gets passed and then everybody just goes to attack. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, now I want to do sort of like you said you were. You've told me you're going to attack me. Everybody had to be like, okay, are you planning on attacking me with that guy? I mean, you can lie to me, but then, you know, next time it may next not time go I'm that. Taking you out either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't take too kindly to that 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 lying to me thing. The presence of the combat effects slows down and complicates the game. The game, like I said, there there seem to really be taking on a lot more moving parts in this some of the timing seems unclear to us maybe it's somewhere in the rule book and we just missed it but it doesn't actually say how long effects happen and there seem to be more effects in coldest war or maybe for the first time effects uh, i'm not sure and i'm not going to go back and look over every single prior nightfall card where a chain card does something that is not right now or no yeah the, the more confusing ones were the kickers that were like Kicker, every time you buy someone or put someone into play, do X. It's like, is that yeah, what, kicker, for the yeah. life of the minion? Yeah. Is that the life of this chain? Is that, is that, that like end of turn? Is yeah. that what we're... Uh... Uh, well, that one was a guy. So that that one to me seems... Well, there were two that, or three that were like that. Well, well no, but, but the one that you're specifically talking about where you draw cards, that was right. uh, that's the, the guy that does damage to everybody. That does two damage and that is, does two damage. More to me, there was uh, one of the ones that lets you like... St- uh, the it's the attachment that comes into play. Its kicker was after somebody like destroys something, they get a wound. And it's really unclear because that card stays in play. When does that kicker happen? Is that for the rest of the turn? Is it as long as that card's in play? Because it's in play, so that seems like it would make sense since it's an attachment. Yeah, and I think we, I think we ended up playing those until end of turn. Right. You kind of have to assume, right, that that's how it works for the cards that say you may claim a card from a private archives, it has to be this turn. Yeah. That's that's not, like, you just have that option floating for the rest of the game until you use it up. Yeah. But, and again, maybe it said that somewhere in the rules, but we didn't see it. I guess if you're a fan of Nightfall, and you thought it needed a little bit more complexity, this is for you. Then you're, you're, you're going to like Cold War. I don't, or if, I guess, or if you liked yeah, or, or if you didn't like Nightfall because you thought it was too basic, you certainly are not in Coldest War, I think, or in anything going to get away from the fact that, you know, strategically, to some extent, Nightfall is always going to be a pound on the leader game because yeah. if you are seriously playing Nightfall, you should be able to keep track of the one to four numbers that are the number of wounds that the other players have taken. And that's all that matters at the end of it. You know, yeah. none of this complaining about oh i'm like oh i took all these wounds earlier in the game or oh swing at him he's the one who's got the threats on the board or the starter deck is actually kind i liked it for the most part it, it it's not more complex it's just kind of different so it gives you another option um the only thing i didn't really like was the guy that lets you buy things out of your opponent's private archive you can only do it twice but it was just kind of annoying What's really the point of the private archive if that's not on a card that's going to be out it being in the starter deck? Oh, right. you were well, just annoyed because everyone used it to buy your asset sevens. <laughs> I mean, but I bought a couple of your guys that helped yeah, my yeah. chain. The card draw, yeah, I mean, yeah Banner 89. I'd, I'd almost like to see how it would work to have half of the new and half of the old starter deck just, yeah, to, and, just, to, mm, just and, to play that out. 
And, and you can, yeah, you can play with all new ones. You can play with all new, no, uh, uh, all new or all old ones. You can have everyone play with the same mix. You can also potentially have each person gets to choose which one they want. You get to choose yeah. this blue one or that blue one. So you always want Charlotte Reyes. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> but do you Patrol like Zombie Bad is, Smoke is or Jarek? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I like Jarek just because, I mean, realistically, you probably want Bad Moon, but Jarek, to me, stops the game from stalling quite. Yeah, I'm sure. What, what was the old purple one? Because Kilo 13 is good. Kilo 13. Wasn't he do a wound just straight up to somebody? Oh, yeah, that's the ghoul. Uh, yeah. Target a person, do a wound. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not bad either. That's yeah. The only thing is he got stacked, so he was just like, wounds all around. <laughs> yeah. Well, Someone well, played it. <laughs> ghoul, 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 yeah. ghoul. <laughs> yeah. Everybody dies. The base card who used to be deal two damage. You get Snowstorm and Set, who does a lot of. Oh, so there's, there, there's an interesting thing. Given even the option, Victor One is the green guy who lets you take. I'd play. I think I'd play with the base green guy anyway and get the better, influence the better influence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, oh yeah, I would definitely play with the base white guy because he lets you remove wounds. Yeah. Well, he yeah. lets you remove one, but this guy's just I think buffer. You know, he's actually got three health. He does. True. Early on, he can come out and he can block these other random yeah, little guys this, and still this, be around to swing. This white seems a lot more playable early game, whereas the old white you need True. to hold for late you game. You want him to hang True. out for a few yeah, turns. Yeah. For when you have wounds to get rid of. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but it does, it, it continues to have the, the same high standard as far as what comes in the box. The cards are the same they were. You get the dividers for everything you get the dividers and i think nightfall was the first game to do this where like where the starting decks got their own dividers instead yeah. of having dividers for each of the cards yep. which you didn't really want to separate back out anyway you get the same kind of things for the wounds and the draft cards and this is a, a big box again it's a big box again I, I did like the blood country little teeny tiny box but that was also not a standalone expansion right. and i don't know how yeah. that really worked out like i could see if that did not work out well from a retail perspective just cuz it's such a small box it's hard to, to have it sit there on the shelf with other 35 dollar right things uh which is kind of a shame too cuz there isn't really any reason ultimately for all, all this to have all of them be big boxes you want them to be reasonably sized boxes from time to time so that People who don't buy every single one always have some box that they can condense them right. them into. I guess ultimately, I think you can tell, I think we all are a little concerned at how much they added in to Coldest War. Attachments. I think and, it was a and the, the, little like bit the, too much stuff. I mean, I like the idea of combat. I think attach, attachments is kind of a little wonky. And we'd just as soon play without the moons. Maybe if they have new moons that do... If the moons were more interesting, sorts of like... I would probably find the moons more interesting if they were effects that applied to more stuff. Right. Yeah. If the moon... Like, everything gets plus one strength. Yeah. Or if, the, all... if the moons were yeah. more actually global. Right now, they're technically global, but because you're in balance, because they almost all are your X type of minion does Y, there's not a globe. Not everybody has 
a ghoul to get the bonus. Right. I mean, yeah, I and ex- then they never stick around. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I yeah. would expect it to be something more like. Or that's the other th- weird thing is that you can make the f- moons change phase. I feel like it should maybe be just more random, and it happens every but turn. Just every just more single like turn, an event. It, I would expect them to be more like reducing the cost on actions or uh, minions take double damage. Everything is bigger, or, or yeah. Right. yeah, and then they stick Actually, around for like a full turn, and then they turn over, and then you get the nether. Because it's not confusing enough keeping track of turns as well, right? But every time the first person hits, bam, he you know he just keeps the moon stack by him or whatever. So yeah. between before well, his next turn, right, right, right. It, it, That's just how I I would expect that type of deck to work. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it does. If I got a deluxe version of Nightfall, I, I would want a player marker, because it's very easy to oh, sort man. of lose track of whose turn it really was yes. when All you get time. a big, oh, long yes. chain. And it is a game that could benefit more from a playmat than most card games would, because at some times of the game, you have two private archives and your deck and your discard pile and your cards that are in play and your cards that are on your chain and you're always going to have a stack of cards that you've removed from the game because all the starting deck cards do that. So, Yeah, uh, honestly, as, yeah. as much as I kind of like that mechanic, at the same point, it's kind of a pain because everybody has to try and find a separate place to like put their starter deck, but you don't want to put too close. Then at one point, uh, you were handing a stack of wounds to somebody you accidentally <laughs> gave them. them my exiled card. <laughs> exiled yeah, I know. Cards. Yeah, yeah. We, go, we got to the I'll end of that game, and I'm like, Where, where's the rest of my starting deck? I don't. Where did, I don't understand. Oh, wait, you have way more wounds than we thought. They were the wounds that I was giving him after the game. Right. Was, it it would hit the stack, and I, it was because I had put my stack over by the box, and I was thinking, oh, these were the ten. It was, that was a five-player game, so the, I was thinking that was the stack of the ten leftover wounds, and it was actually the stack of cards that I had exiled yeah. uh, from my, my deck during the course of the game. That is Nightfall Coldest War. Designed by David, well, the night the whole Nightfall line is designed by David Gregg and published by Alderac Entertainment Group. For Jay Earl, Justin Purdy, Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Now coming out of the cold. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today are Jay Earl. Hello. Justin Purdy. Hi. And Mike Cook. Hey. And we are going to be talking about Eminent Domain and Core Worlds, including whether or not it's fair to really lump Eminent Domain and Core Worlds together, but they... Spoiler alert, no. (laughs) (laughs) But they do get lumped together because they're both card games. Each of them uses the deck building mechanic in addition to other things, and each of them... It has a space theme, and each of them gives you the option to take over worlds. But there's a good number of differences from there. So let's start with Eminent Domain. Why don't you briefly say what that is, Mike? Eminent Domain is a deck-building game. It is a point-scoring game. Oh, well, they're both point-scoring You just failed right there. What? Because you called it a deck-building game, and it's a role-selection game. That it is, it is, also it is still deck a deck building as a mechanic. It says deck building on it's the box. It's a deck building game. Well, that's because that's, that's the, the hot thing buzz to, word. to yes. advertise. These. Well, but it, it is a deck building game. It is one of the most deck building game deck building games I've ever played. If that makes any sense, it's very much there's to me a lot of the game mechanics I expect out of a deck builder. Things are not always super intuitive, but you get like stripping cards out of your deck, making sure your deck is small, so you get. 
the things you want to see over and over. Those are in eminent domain, but where they're worked into other mechanics a lot of times, like uh, with Nightfall, the, the cards just get removed from your starter deck. That's basically all there is in eminent domain. Like, there's no, like, with Core Worlds, you're getting other resources. With this, you do you kind of get other resources, but to me, it just feels way more. Okay, so let's, let's back eminent domain out and make it yeah. a little bit more basic. There are five different ways to go on each turn, and on your turn, you play a card out of your hand, and you select a role. And like most role selection games, you get to do whatever that role is better. Everybody else can either follow and get a lesser version of that role, or they can dissent and they get to draw a card. You can colonize, military, survey, which puts more planets into play, which you can then later colonize or military. You can produce slash trade, which once you have planets out, you can produce to put resources on them and then trade to turn those resources in for victory points. Or you can research, and research gets you better cards out of a specific deck depending on what planets you have in play and how much research you have you can get better cards to me the role selection aspect is much more important because in a lot of deck building games it's a very central part of that game is about ramping up your deck in a particular way you start with these lousy cards and then you buy better cards and then you buy better cards and eminent domain unless you research you never have anything other than those five basic cards in your deck and it's such a huge part of the game to to roll select and whether or not you can play off of other people's roles that to me that even though it has some deck building elements it's much more comparable to the like race for the galaxy than it is to any other deck building game i think uh i would say part of its strength is that it is fairly unique in both aspects a lot of times in role selection games one of the key things is if I get this, I either get, like, a really super good bonus. Well, it's usually that nobody else can pick the role I picked. Or, you know, they're usually fairly unique. Everybody could pick the same role in a round of turns. And everybody can follow. But part, uh, part of the deck building is also important, because if I know other people are colonizing, and I just want to go colonize to be able to colonize a planet, so I'm going to go survey so I can get new planets to colonize, it's important for me to have the right balance so I can do that on other people's other people's turns so I can follow effectively and so I can use the action to get the new planets. So you have to use things like research whose action is to strip out cards. The balance of cards in your deck is very important and that's very much a deck building. Yeah, well, and I think another significant thing we haven't mentioned is that the way, other than buying stuff with research, the primary way your deck changes in addition to stripping things out with research is that every time you select a role you get another one of those yeah. basic cards into your deck. And then eventually the game ends when two of the five basic actions are out. Or the supply of influence runs out. Or the supply of influence. We have yet to have that come close to happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which we'll talk about when we, we do overall. Jay or Justin, did you have anything else to add on the general field of Eminent Domain? I mean, I, I really, really like Eminent Domain. If it supported a fifth player, which is what my usual playgroup is, <laughs> I would totally bring it every week. But with four... I'll play it with you guys. <laughs> okay, Justin? I also really enjoyed the feel of the game. This is absolutely the first role selection game I've ever played, so the format's very new to me, but I do like the balance and the way it works out where there's some advantages to piggybacking off someone else's role because then you can 
you know, you can play your stuff when they do, you can follow them. But there's also, if you decide to go your own way, then you're not letting anyone play along after you quite as well. Right. Also, you're not, with the dissension card draw, you're not horribly penalized for being unable to follow the other people. Yeah, if you're in your own little world playing something no one else is, you or just even get a bunch just, of card. Or even just your hand is not conducive. Yeah, or conducive. if your hand's just not good. Okay, now the other name we're talking about today is Core World. And in... No, we'll just let you do it again, Mike. Okay. So Core Worlds is also a deck-building game. Um, it's probably more of a deck-building game than Eminent Domain, but basically uh, the idea is that you are one of these races from the outside of, on the outside of the galaxy, and they're conquering all the way back into the Core Worlds, which is the center of the galaxy. Very much, I think, a foundation sort of feel if you've read Asimov. Right. Oh, and also kind of Robotech, because the same type of thing happens there. Um, or not Robotech, what am I thinking? A Mech Warrior. Hmm. The same thing kind of happens in Mech Warrior. So, to symbolize this, you have eight turns, or I guess it's 16 turns, right? Because it's eight stacks of cards, and you have two turns for each stack. Is that right? Or is it six turns? I thought I already it was less. It uh, it's more than six and less than 18. It, oh, it's Something it's like ten. ten, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, it's ten. Oh, sorry, there's five different zones, two turns for each zone. Yeah, and each yes. zone represents you going closer and closer to the core worlds of the galaxy. Right, so, so there's uh, essentially five stacks of cards, and for two turns you're pulling out of the same stack of cards, and you're typically not going to see all of those cards, and you get choices as to which ones you want. Um, and yeah, then, and when, when you say five stacks of cards, the stacks of cards that are associated with each sector get placed out onto the table in a something that's more of a traditional deck building oh, it's kind scenario of, it's, where you then get the option to buy from right. uh, the, each the, of those. It's a big stack of mixed-up cards, and then it flips up a certain number depending on how many players you have. So, for example, it's, uh, there's two players, you get six cards out in the center. And then the next turn, you'll get another six. So it's kind of more Ascension, where it's not stack of cards where you get it like in a lot of deck-building games. It's more random as to what is actually out and available. And essentially what you want to do is uh, you've got ground force and you've got air force, and you want to typically focus on either kind of doing those balanced or kind of going one or the other, and you try, you just conquer things as you go in, as you go towards the end of the game, which is to the end where you get the big core worlds, which, you know, of course are very well defended, and you have to spend a lot of stuff to actually get the core worlds, which end up being worth the most points. You have to have military ground strength and fleet strength to take planets, and each of the sets of cards that shows up in each sector is a combination of planets you can take over and cards you can add to your deck to make it easier to take over planets. But while Eminent Domain combines deck building with a role selection mechanic, Coral Worlds, while it has a... thematically it's a combat game, it's really mechanically more a Euro game because underneath this, you then each turn you have a certain amount of actions you can spend and a certain amount of energy you can spend, and those go up somewhat as the game goes on. You get a, a little bit more on each turn. So you have a certain number of actions, a certain amount of energy, and a certain number of cards. Well, as you conquer planets, planets <clears throat> are what give you more energy. Yeah, yeah. And but more influence. Also, when, you're in, when you go deeper into sectors, you get more cards in hand and more actions. Right. And... So you have to balance how much, if you've got lots of little ships, it takes more actions to get them out, but may take more energy to get out bigger units. And then you do have to build this tableau. 
an eminent domain and in core worlds, both of those, the planets that you conquer then can contribute additional benefits. But core worlds seem to involve a lot of resource management. Resource management yeah. and strategic yeah. planning about how exactly you were going to do what. It gives a little bit more possibility for competitive interaction in that you can actively cut other players off from what they get, especially when you get to the end of the game and those core worlds in the last in the, the last, last sector, sector are these massive point things and you can sort of look at the players to your left and like, oh, okay, this one requires a lot of fleet and this one is more split and I am pretty sure the guy to my left does not have a lot of fleet so I'm going to take the one that he actually can take. In fact, the, um, they're so important, they're listed right on your sheet that lists your action and energy. They're right there at the top, so you know like what you're planning for. Yeah, depending on how many players you have, I think you may or may not have the option to pursue this all that much, but you sometimes will have the ability to push your deck for certain kinds of units, and then the different core worlds reward you more for having different kinds of cards in your deck. I think it's also kind of uh, important to note that this game plays a little bit differently than a lot of deck builders are. You play whatever you have your hand in your hand, you know, you dump them into your discard and play whatever. This game, you actually have to spend actions to put things into play that you then spend another action and energy to invade whatever planet you may have. Yeah, and you spend we, actions and energy to put them into play right. in the first place. Which is nice because it lets you build up a little bit if if your turn isn't strong enough to actually do something. You can save those cards resources for later. Yeah, and it also has a, a little bit of a limited strip lousy base cards out of your deck because whenever you take over a planet, you can garrison, which is basically just stripping out one of the lousy ground <laughs> or, or fighter cards that you start with. Cards that you started with. So do you have any other overall thoughts, Justin, on I'm sorry, Jay, because Justin hasn't played Coral Worlds. Correct. It's a very different game from Eminent Domain. I like it quite a bit, though. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered the generic fairly well. Yeah. So, uh, well, so how, how, fair do, how fair do you guys think it is to really lump these two games together, like we're doing here? I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's fair in that typically people like a theme as much as they like a type of game. So... Uh, comparing them just because they have the same theme I think is somewhat fair it, just as long as you say okay well this is more this and this is more this like you're right the core worlds does feel very much euro because you've got 10 turns whereas eminent domain feels more like a deck builder because it runs out when something runs out which it tends to be more what you see in deck building games I actually think that eminent domain feels which you may not surprise you based on what I said earlier I think eminent domain feels like less of a deck builder because your deck does not improve Get different ones in the same way that it does, in, that you're used to getting in a deck builder and like you get in Core World. My gut instinct after playing the both of them is that they're really not that comparable when you play them. And then I go to talk about it and say, oh, it's not really fair to compare them because the only commonalities are this, that, the other. And it's like, wow, that's a lot of things. And yet <laughs> there's, to me at least, despite these similarities in theme and there's somewhat similar. I know both people have called them a 4X. Like Core Worlds does not feel at all like a 4X game to me because no. it's just all about taking over planets. But Eminent Domain but, doesn't feel like a 4X to me, honestly. Well, Eminent Domain actually has all the elements of a 4X. You're surveying and finding new worlds. You're either right. conquering them or settling them. You're researching new technologies. You're have you can produce an economic engine. Right. That's everything that a 4X is. As a theme, that's, that hits all of those. 
ultimately, which one do you like better, Jay? Uh, I suppose Eminent Domain, personally. Not that I dislike Car Worlds, but uh, I like the... I feel more rushed with Core Worlds because it is the Euro game clock, fixed clock, whereas Eminent Domain has the more natural clock. There's totally, that's right, there's totally a clock in Core Worlds. You, yeah. Every, yeah. every, I mean, every turn, you feel clock. like you just, yeah. you're, you're just a little bit of short of being well, able to do whatever that awesome thing is. And not only there's that. There's a lot of pressure in it um it's also that total euro style of whatever cards are left out from last round get a bonus if you pick them but then the start of your the turn afterwards they completely disappear so you're even on a timer for when you can acquire cards they don't even just sit out the whole game yeah yeah it's always every time in core worlds whoever you want to go first on each given turn you actually get in for certain number of players some of the players get little bonuses because they're not going to go as first in as many turns right. during that game as other players are. Because you really want to go first and sit down with that, what is the best target that just came out, and so I can get it right now and stop some other guy from being able to get it. Oh, and another distinctive feature of Core Worlds is uh, it does have somewhat different starter decks. Whereas like, most games like Eminent Domain have the exact same starter deck for everybody. Core Worlds has one cards that differ, and it has a pre-game draft, so you can make your deck even more different. Yeah, yeah, that's an optional rule, but I think is one that you basically, after you've played the first time, you would want to automatically include that. Yeah. I think we're seeing that more now with, as people are trying to expand and explore the deck building spaces to see either partially or wholly customized, well, usually partially customized decks compared to what the theme is, what... Penny Arcade did that, although that and the bosses was the main original thing about that game. Yep. But, uh... <laughs> so, Justin, you, you've only played one of these games. Yeah. Which one do you think is a better game? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's the game I played, Chris. <laughs> All right. Mike? Um, I really like both of them. It's not something where I'd even put a favorite because they are different enough. No, you have to pick okay, one. Okay, I have to pick one? That's how it works. <sighs> On I've... the spot, you are... Hey, if, if, if Tom Vassell can make the guys who designed <laughs> Core Worlds and Eminent Domain have to announce why, <laughs> which one is better. <laughs> yeah, um, for the time being, I would say Eminent Domain. Although, with the big caveat, it really depends on what type of game you want. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, because Eminent Domain, as it is, is a whole product. Like, I could see where you could expand on it, but right now, if they... The only thing that ever came out was Eminent Domain, it is whole. Core Worlds has a lot of functionality. There's even... Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's icons on the cards that it specifically says there will be something that happens in future expansions with these icons, but literally do nothing yeah. right now. Well, if there are future expansions. I mean, neither right. of... To the best of my knowledge, neither of these has an announced expansion. I, I, not that I'm aware of, um, but I know this is like... I guess they both got published, but uh, I want to say I thought Core Worlds was a Kickstarter. I can't remember anymore. Yeah, like I know it got picked up by TMG, so that's how it got published. I don't, I haven't heard of uh, uh, expansion for either. Core Worlds was, I think, right before they finished up with the the Core Worlds base set. The designer called the company, you know, basically emailed the company and said. I think we should put these icons on, because if we get to do an expansion, I'd like to do this, so... Or you put it in there knowing that, you know what, if they don't ever come into play, 
then you're not really losing anything. Um, I will say just one uh, other note is that the art for Core Worlds is fantastic. Eminent Domain, it's it's good. It's good design, but it's not super visually interesting. It, it's well, pretty most of your deck is the same five right. cards. Right. <laughs> Which is yeah. iconography rather than actual images. But the Core World stuff, it's totally got that Homeworld vibe just right from the beginning of the box. I mean, it's great yeah. super warfare, whereas Imminent Domain, I mean, it's probably going to be a lot harder to be interesting, but Core well, World is all conflict. I'm not impressed by either of the box interiors in that both games require you to just take the pile of cards that all need to be sorted out and just throw them in the box where they flip around <laughs> and have to be resorted before you play them again. Yeah, although, once again, the uh, the Warfare ships for Eminent Domain are ridiculously well-made. Yeah, like, they do not need to be that good. No. Well, I, I, yeah, I think that they... the company may have had those molds from something else. Ooh. I think they used them later. They used it for something else. Yeah, there are three different size ships, which I think, again, if that gets an expansion, it may actually start mattering what the different ships are. Well, since everybody else had to, I'll give mine as well. I like Core Worlds better. To some extent, it's just because I prefer this one style better than, than that one style. Eminent Domain felt... I was going to say, I, Eminent Domain felt more random and, and less in control, although I think I've won a decent number of the games that we played. Uh, <laughs> so it's not like I'm just getting uh, hosed on that. I'm also I'm not sure if how balanced the different routes are. Like one of the five things you can do is the trade produce and it seems relatively weak because you have to get everything set up before you can get to trade produce. And yeah. by the time that happens, then a second one of the deck runs out, and, right. and you're uh, done. And for example, we all got to uh, just about four planets when it ran out, when it ran out, and I had like two, because I tried to do trade produce, but you need like two or three planets for it to be effective, and I had just gotten to three planets that could produce, and I got to trade produce like maybe two turns before the game was over. And that was because you extended it for a turn. And I ended up with a bunch of resources sitting there I couldn't cash in quite in time. It's hard to effectively produce and then cash in, because... With the way the rolls work, you have to start doing it before you really start picking Reaping those the benefits up. from it. And then, I mean, the little times when I've had trade and produce contribute, it's part of what you were doing, right? Because you get the improved card, the research card that's just improved trade, where you just play it to get an influence. You're not really trading. Or right. if you have a planet, some of the planets enhance your ability to do the different rolls. So if you get a planet that has a produce on it, then when other people start producing, you can just follow and get yeah. get free resources and that trade them in a little bit without trade, having yeah. to to put the same kind of development into it. Even with that, I don't know that how much that really has anything to do with me preferring Core World versus Eminent Domain. I think it's just more about the style, the style of the the game. I, I will say, I mean, if people are looking at both of these and you're trying to figure out which one you want to do for your game group, I think Eminent Domain's actually a little bit harder to get like get where to understand whereas core worlds it's got a little bit of a curve but once you get there you can improve your game but it's much easier to understand like much more quickly yeah in my the game of eminent domain i played i kept messing up actions and roles and what i should do and got corrected many many times because I mean, it's easy to understand what i've got get it, it i think i'm fine you know now that one game is over i think i generally get it it may be easier to get Core Worlds, but then I think once you get into it, you have more 
well, just more you have a lot more decision making in every turn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anyhow. it does Eminent Domain has the the deck building of everything is always available. Or kind of more like a dominion. You know, whatever's out is available to everybody. Everybody can pick it. And in fact, you have to because of the rolls. Whereas Core Worlds, it's more of the ascension of part of it is kind of luck and what is actually out and available. And also, there is a kind of hate drafting type thing. If I really don't want you to have that, I might go ahead and grab it just because there's nothing else. Okay. That was Eminent Domain from GMT Games, right? Uh, yes. TMG. Yeah. TMG. TMG Games and Core Worlds, which is from Stronghold Games. And I think we've probably uh, bashed uh, up and down the merits of the, the two versus each other enough. Yes. So for Jay Earl, Justin Purdy, and Mike Cook, this is Chris Stevenson, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can download more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes or from our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're at our website, you can check out the frequently updated main page or talk with us on the forums. You can also email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can follow Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter strange assembly either place. Thanks for listening.